You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Built Bar, we will be diving into the Thunder's huge win over the Cleveland Cavaliers and discussing why SGA has to be an all-star whenever the reserve teams are announced on Tuesday. We start, as we always do, with the game overview, and that is with George Hill as the only player on the Thunder injury report, of course, besides Trevor Ariza and besides the four G League assignments. So they have not been healthy all year, the Thunder haven't. And they're still not 100% because George Hill's still out. But all things considered, this is going to be close to 100% as you can get at this point in the season. And with George Hill, I know there's been a a ton of questions for me about an update on George Hill. Remember, he was not going to be reevaluated for four weeks, and we're still not at that four-week mark. I know it feels like forever because they're playing every single day and you're getting injury reports every single day, and it's such a boom-boom season. But we're still a week away from that four-week mark. And that's whenever his reevaluation date is, not whenever he just automatically returns. So we're a bit away from George Hill's return. They have a lot more games this week. I would not be surprised if he's not out until after the All-Star break because the four-week mark would be March 2nd. The All-Star break starts March 5th. I'm not sure why you would throw him in there if he was not 100% ready and totally and absolutely ready to go. So I think that maybe we'll see George Hill after the All-Star break, but it could be before. Who knows? But again, we're not at the four-week mark yet, so do not worry about his injury. Now, Oklahoma City was coming off of a big loss to Milwaukee and a game in which nobody played well. I mean, just everyone was out of sorts offensively. No one could hit ocean out of a boat. And Shea talked about how bad of a game he had. I mean, it was his one of his worst efficiency games ever. And he said it was a bad night. And he talked about how he'd be better next time. And he was better next time. He was awesome today. And he deserves that all-star spot when the reserves are announced on Tuesday. And today was a big statement for that. He has one more statement to make tomorrow against Miami. Coaches have to have their votes in by Monday. I'm not sure the exact time frame though on Monday. So the votes could happen before the game Monday, or it could happen after the game on Monday. But it has to be in by Monday at some point. So SGA had a huge statement in what might be the last game before the votings happens for the coaches to select the reserve players. Now in this game, the Thunder come in on three straight losses. In their last 10 games, they're three and seven. Cleveland comes in on nine straight losses in their last uh, games, uh, last 10 games, they're one and nine. Of course, the billing was SGA versus Colin Sexton, and they did not disappoint. Those two went at it at will today, and they both had really good games, and they were both fun to watch. SGA just as better than Colin Sexton, so the, he got the win, his team got the win, and SGA does have more help around him, I think, than Colin Sexton does right now, but even in an individual matchup, I still would rather have SGA on my team than Colin Sexton. But for the Thunder... This was their first game of what will be five games in seven days. We mentioned the tough stretch of games, and it's not just the opponents. I mean, even the opponents in the days in between are tough, right? Because whenever we face down this February schedule, 
all the attention was put on the LA games and the Denver games. And those are huge games, obviously best teams in the NBA type of games. I don't care who you play. Whenever you have to play five games in seven days, you can play the Washington Generals and still lose. It's a it's a grueling process. It's grueling for beat writers and beat potters of uh, you know just to keep up with it day in day out. I can't even imagine playing in these actual games like to keep up with everything. So this was a grueling stretch, and to end this road trip with this win was impressive. And you don't get that win without SGA. We'll talk about Hamadou Diallo. We'll talk about. You know, Mike Muscala, and we'll talk about the bench unit coming up, but SGA was the driving force tonight. And his efficiency continues to impress. We mentioned the bad efficiency game he had on Friday, which is so uncharacteristic that it was a huge talking point for over two days. And think about that. A third-year player who has never had consistency, who's never had stability in his NBA career, who's changed his roles, his coaches, his players around him every single year, we expect him to be more efficient than most players in this league, and he's earned that respect, and he's earned that that standard, and he's held himself to that, and tonight he he follows through with his commitment to being better because he shot just 15 times and poured in 31 points with nine assists and four rebounds. That's 60% from the floor, 100% from beyond the arc, three for three from beyond the arc. He gets to the line 12 times. Now, he was just a foul on the three-point shot. That inflates it a little bit, but still, 12 free-throw attempts. His ability to to maneuver a defense and, and, and to just be so free-flowing whenever he's playing is a joy to watch. I think that with SGA, we're almost spoiled because it shouldn't look that that smooth, right? It, it shouldn't be this easy. And with SGA and even Taylor Maldon, it looks easy. And I think that we forget how impossible some of the things that he's doing is because he's not making it look impossible. He's making it look like it's just another night at the office. And I get it. It's going to be a tough race. And there are so many guys that are worth selecting in the all-star game, especially in the Western Conference, especially at that guard position. But if Shea is not among that group, then it is, number one, a travesty. But but number two, it will not be that far off. So no matter if the back of the basketball card or or his basketball reference page says it or not, he was an all-star this year. He's playing an all-star caliber player, and you have an all-star player on your team. Can he make it? Can he make it on this roster? I think he should. I think he will. But if he doesn't, that does not take away from the fact of how good he's playing. I want you to take a step back for a second. As we talk about the future, we talk about you know how this team can get back to where they want to be. They want to be in the elite company. They want to be where they were with, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Paul George. They want to be in that elite company of you know, being a contending team, of, of a team that you look at and don't say, oh, they're pretty scrappy, they're pretty good, but a team you look at and say, they can win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. That's where they want to be. And your big blue chip guy right now in your first year of rebuilding is SGA. And in his third NBA season, where he's dealt with unbelievable circumstances, Right, He goes from L.A. to Oklahoma City. He goes from Billy Donovan to Mark Degnott. He goes from Chris Paul to Tail Maldon. He, he just has this roster overturn all three years, coaching overturn all three years. He has not played with the same coach in back-to-back years in his professional career. He has not played the same position in back-to-back years in his professional career. And yet already, the starting point, the baseline, what he is is an all-star. When you talk about the future... You have to factor in that at worst, SGA is an NBA All-Star. In year three, when he's just scratching the surface at just 22 years old, 
He has so many more steps to take, and he's already an all-star level player. He's already that all-star caliber player. That accelerates your timeline. That accelerates your rebuild so much. So, so much. And that's why you see Thunder fans putting so much stock into this draft, because if you can get that top pick, if you can get in that top five, if you can get in that top seven even, you are going to get yourself another blue chip guy. And if you pair another blue chip guy with SGA, with Lou Dort, and you let Darius Basley mature, and you see what happens with Tail Malvon, then your future has been put together in a couple of years. And you're riding on to that next phase. It will not take long to get this Thunder team back where they want to be because they already have an all-star. And they have an all-star that's under club control. They have an all-star that's going to be here for a long time. This is not a fleeting all-star that will be gone in a year or two. You have an all-star in SGA that's in his prime and is frankly just getting started with his NBA career. The 10-point outburst in the third quarter and being able to turn it on and, and, and get you this lead and get you you know, the, the commanding lead to pull away and ice the game, I know it's not in the fourth quarter. I know it's not whenever we traditionally think about a, a clutch moment, but whenever the Cavs made their last counterpunch in that third quarter, for your all-star to rattle off 10 points and to extend this game out to where it's, it's out of reach in the third quarter, that is a winning play. That's a clutch aspect, whatever you want to describe it as, to feature a huge win or to feature a huge clutch play or an important play. That was a great sequence for Oklahoma City, and it was led by SGA. I don't know what else he has to do to be an all-star. I think that Mark Dignott said it best whenever, you know, when the Thunder walk off the floor, more times than not, SGA is the best player on the court. At the end of the day, he was tonight. He's been in many other games. For the most part, when the Thunder leave the floor, they have the best player whenever SGA is playing. That sounds like an all-star to me. I get it. It's tough. The reputations of some players precede them, but it would be a shame if SGA does not get rewarded for that come this Tuesday. Now, coming up, I want to talk about Hamadou Diallo. I want to talk about Mike Muscala, Teo Maldon, the bench unit, and so much more. But I do want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today for a free account. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit whenever you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Again, betonline.ag, promo code Locked On, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can even bet on every single Thunder game the way we do here at Locked On Thunder. I want to tell you about our friends over at Locked On Today. The Locked On Today podcast is hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. He breaks down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with the sport news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts from, including the radio.com app. So get more of the sport news you need and head on over there to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast from. I want to talk now about the bench unit as a whole. In this game specifically, Diallo was just amazing. And Diallo continues to be awesome. And Diallo has has put himself in an interesting spot, right? Because on, on one hand, he's played well enough in this stretch to, to be considered a starter for this team and, and to be good enough to put himself back in that starting group with George Hill gone. But on the other hand, 
I really want to give the Allos some stability because at the end of the day, the Allos going to be a bench player. Whenever this team's fully healthy or whenever they build a competing team that's going to contend for championships, he's going to be a bench player. So I want to get him as, as comfortable. I want to get him as, as you know, comfortable and familiar with that role and adjusted to that role as possible. So even though he's playing at that level, you might still want to keep him on the bench. And I think that that's what Mark Dagnott's going to do as we've seen these last couple of games. But Diallo has been awesome. And, and I just hate that at times when he's had to be in that starting group and he's had to be on the floor for, for clutch time, that fans ha- have kind of thrown away what he's done this season because it's been nothing short of amazing. In this game, he goes 15 points on five for five shooting from the floor. He goes to the line nine times. And we talked about that in the early parts of the season. If Diallo can get to the line, that elevates him as a score. And it did tonight. And he also gets you two rebounds to assist and a block and a, and a steal. Diallo is a spark plug and a microwave player and an energy giver. And to have that with your reserve group is one of the most impactful things in basketball to be able to take your starting five out and the energy level and, and the confidence level and, and all that not have a significant drop off. And Diallo provides that. And, and I just hate that. I feel like thunder fans. I think that nationally, you know, he's getting graded easier or, or he's getting put in a better light than even what thunder fans are giving him credit for nationally, which is usually the opposite. With Diallo, it feels like Thunder fans are being a little bit too harsh on him because he's had some gaffes in, in clutch moments, right? He's had the, the last two possessions against Denver that were just awful. He's had the moments where he's out racing and, and blowing a layup in the late moments where he's you know not playing defense or not boxing out in the Carmelo Anthony free throw. And he's done all that, right? We, we get it. But you have to remember, he's never been in this spot before. He's going to grow. He's 22 years old. And whenever you take away the clutch time gaps and you only look at the, the role he should be in, which the role he should be in is 25 minutes a night off the bench and being that microwave scorer, he's excelled at that. He's gotten better at limiting the jump shots. Sure, there's still a game here or there where he's shooting way too many jump shots, but all in all, he's gotten better at eliminating those entirely. And he's gotten more efficient and he's gotten to the line and he's figured out ways to use his athleticism and use his size uh, better than he has in years past. Diallo's been awesome. But but this bench as a whole was awesome. And this bench beyond SGA, like SGA is number one reason, obviously. I mean, SGA is the reason why you won this game. But beyond that, it was the bench unit. If you had to pick a second a second category or a second reason why the Thunder beat the Cavs tonight, it was off the pine. Because in this game, the bench was phenomenal. And, and the bench was better offensively than your starters for most of this contest in the first half. And it, it's a big a tribute to the 15 points from from. Diallo, but also Mike Muscala was awesome off the pine. He gets you 13 points on three of nine shooting, and it feels like he has way more threes than that because it every three that falls feels like a big three from him. Like, he's just so timely at knocking down those shots. Sure, he'll shoot 33% in this game, but all three came at big moments where it really broke the back of the Cavs on each and every one of their counter punches to Oklahoma City. He also gets five rebounds. He was efficient in this game. Muscala is a solid veteran, and I'm not sure what his trade value might be. I'm not sure if the Thunder want to trade him, but even without looking at the future and looking at you know if the Thunder should or shouldn't trade him, I think that they should evaluate it and see what, what the market's like. But beyond that, with this team, I feel like he's underrated. I think that people do not give him enough credit for being consistent and being steady. And as a shooter, that's very tough. As a shooter, you're mainly relying on rhythm, especially a distant shooter. You're relying on rhythm. And he can go possessions without getting the ball. And he can go games where he's sitting on the bench for a long stretch of time. But 
whenever you put him in, he's always ready to knock down shots. And he goes three for nine tonight. And again, all three of them felt like they were the reason and felt like they were the death nail in the Cavs. I mean, it was just a, a good game from Mike Muscala. We raved about Diallo, but he deserves a ton of credit as well. And, and watching this bench unit, watching Kenny Hustle go out there and watching Isaiah Roby go out there, it should give you a ton of confidence in this team moving forward in the watchability category. I think that a lot of people are afraid that if the Thunder do trade off veterans, right? And, and if and when they trade off George Hill, and if and when they trade off Al Horford, and if and when they trade off Mike Muscala, if, if they give up veterans, then people are afraid that this team becomes less watchable. I think that this team becomes even more watchable and even more fun to watch. And, and they, they're still scrappy. They're still competitive because you have Kenny Hustle. You have Isaiah Roby minutes to give him out. And you have these minutes for these young players. And let's not forget that after the All-Star break, you're going to have Poku back in the NBA squad. You're going to have Ty Jerome back with the NBA squad. Moses Brown will be back here. Josh uh, Hall will be back here. So the minute category and the watchability to me will not take a drop-off if and when they do trade veterans. It just won't. I mean, it'll be, they'll still be fun. They'll still be competitive. And this Thunder team is exactly where I said, and I think that many people said, they would be. I mean, I said preseason, hey, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be fun to watch. You should not tune out just because they're not a championship-level team. You should continue to watch for them because there's so many storylines to follow. There's so many young players to follow. And they're in it every night. And whenever you're in it every night, the ball can bounce your way. That's just the bottom line. Whenever you're, you're so scrappy and you're so competitive, the ball can fall. And, and, and you can win it any game on any given night. And that's what this team has done. And Tail Maldon with 14 points on 71% shooting. You know, of course, he's in the starting group for the Thunder. He's normally a bench player, but on, on the, as a starter, Taylor has been awesome. And I think that his versatility shows greatly with this team because he can bounce back and forth possession by possession, game by game, month by month between the point guard and the shooting guard position. And he looks equally as comfortable. A lot of times players want to pigeonhole themselves or, or they demand to play a point guard role or a shooting guard role. Or if they're not in that role, they just look lost or they look uncomfortable or they look a shell of themselves. That's not the case with Tail Maldon. And that's such a valuable trait to have moving forward, as Mark said after the game, that it, it creates a, a pathway for you to not only play more, but to play longer because you're not beholden to working around Tail, right? Like you're not going to say, okay, well, if I want to construct a rotation and I want to construct a lineup, I've got to have Tail at the one. So who can I put around him to be good? You can just say, okay, this is who I want to play in general for this amount of minute slot. And Tao can do it because he's so versatile and can play multiple positions. And I think that with SGA, it's even better because those two guys both can play off ball. They both can play on ball, off ball, and they're both, they both excel at each, at each role. I think that even if Tao is going to be your sixth man of the year, which I think that he has that potential, he has the ability to be a sixth man type player, you know, and a sixth man of the year candidate in his deep future, you know, in his NBA career. Even if he reaches that ceiling, I think that you still see him stagger on and off with SGA. Like you still see lineups with SGA beside him because those two play so well together. Tao can be a playmaker, but he can also be a shot maker. He can also be a spot up shooter. He can also be all these other things. And his defense continues to impress me. I mean, I know in this game he got into some foul trouble a little bit. Uh, he had the five turnovers also as he, as in this game, you saw him expand on that playmaking role. You saw him even with SGA on the floor be that lead guard for more possessions than a typical game would have him be a lead guard with SGA on the floor with him. So the, the turnover numbers did rise and he did get in foul trouble with three fouls. All in all though, it was a good step for him and, and he looks so poised that we say that every single game, but it, it's true. He looks so poised in his NBA action. I don't want to put a, a limit on, on tail Maldon, but I think that 
you can put a floor on Teo Maldon. And to me, the floor on Teo Maldon is a incredibly important bench player for the future of this team. And you pick that up in the second round. Go up and down this roster and, and look at all the guys who are not drafted in the top five. Look at the guys who are not drafted in the top, in the top ten. Look at the guys who are not drafted in the first round on this team. Right? I mean, that's a long list, too. I mean, we've talked about two of them. Teo Maldon and Diallo were not drafted in the first round. Lou Dort was not drafted, period. Isaiah Roby was drafted in the second round. That is not a case for why the Thunder shouldn't be in the top of the lottery. That's a case for why they should, because they're able to find these guys and, and develop these guys who do not automatically have the raw potential that a Cade Cunningham does. And so imagine what this staff can do if they can get their hands on a top pick like that. So either way, the cookie crumbles. If, if they do have a top pick or if they don't have the top pick, you should feel confident because they've proven both sides, right? They've proven they can develop KD and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They've also proven that they can develop Isaiah Roby and they can develop Teo Maldon. They can develop Diallo. And at each and every test, you're ahead of the other rebuilding teams. In this game, it was clear what the better, better organization was. And the better organization, beyond just the scoreboard, was Oklahoma City. I mean, the Cavs are drafting perennially in the top 10, and they did not have the bodies and the ability to keep pace with Oklahoma City, who is just now starting in the first year their rebuild and to get back on, on the track and the pathway that they want to go on. So that's why whenever people get so angry and so aggressive on either side, whatever position that they take on the matter, I find it funny because the Thunder have done it both ways. And for me, I look at it and say, okay, they have done it both ways. For, for my money, I'd rather give them, the, give them the shot, give them the chance to draft in the top 10, in the top five, in the top three, and see what they can do there because they've already had such success and, and unbelievable success and unrealistic success in the second round, in the late first, in the undrafted market. That's just me, though, and I think that no matter what direction the Thunder go, it is going to be a good direction because we're already seeing what a capable organization that they are. But after the break, I do want to talk more about Lou Dort, and I want to talk about Jared Allen, and I want to talk about everything else and wrap up this game coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get 20% off your next order. They have six brand new flavors, Camo Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. The Built Bars are soft and easy to chew with 100% real chocolate on the outside. Try them today at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. They're great for the conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Of their new flavors, my personal favorite is the Cookies and Cream Built Bar. It is amazing. You will not want to miss the Cookies and Cream Built Bar. They're phenomenal. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, BuiltBar.com. 20% off your next order. We are back on Locked on Thunder. And I'll tell you about our good friends over at Locked on NBA. Because on Mondays, Locked on NBA is hosted by Josh Lloyd, who also hosts the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. He takes you around the NBA with all the major headlines, with the help from our local experts, subscribe to Locked on NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcast from. And, and in this game, we've talked about SGA, we've talked about the bench unit, we've talked about Tail Maldon, and we've talked about how the organizations are just so different. You should not be afraid of this rebuild. What the Thunder are doing is not going to be anywhere as long or grueling as what the Cavs are doing. 
The Cavs are peddling around with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, and they're just not a well-run group. And the Thunder are. The Thunder are one of the best-ran organizations in all of sports and in the NBA. And with the foundation Oklahoma City is starting with, in this foundation you have SGA, you have Lou Dort, who is the best defender in the NBA and can be a 33% or better three-point shooter in his career. You have Darius Baisley, who has raw potential and just needs to find some sort of consistency in this game. He only scores four points, and he's not very impressive, and he's on a rough patch again, but that's okay. He's still young, so you still have whatever he can become. We've talked about Tao Maldon, what he can become. We've talked about Hamadou Diallo, how he can be a strong bench contributor. And then you have the mountain and mountain and mountain of draft picks that are just compiling in Sam Presti's office that you have to use in all sorts of capacity. You can trade them for a bona fide superstar. You can cash them in in the NBA lottery for a bona fide superstar to become. And you can even use them as just acquiring additional assets like a Jared Allen. Jared Allen would be awesome on this team. And he was acquired because the Cavs could take on you know, Torian Prince and could also give up a first round pick down the line. You know, and in this game, Allen goes 11 for 11 from the floor. He gets you 17 rebounds. He gets three blocks and oh yeah, 26 points. Jared Allen is a young raw center that can do all sorts of things and was drafted at pick 22, which goes back to why I don't like drafting centers at the top of the draft with Emmanuel Mo- with uh, Evan Mobley. Nonetheless, we move on from that. But Jared Allen is a type of player that the Thunder can acquire because they have the assets to, because they have the, you know, the, how you want to say, you know, the flexibility to, right? The flexibility in future assets and the flexibility in a cap sheet to do so and to hop into these huge trades. You know, whenever it is that Bradley Beal gets moved or whenever it is that the next disgruntled star is moved, the Thunder can jump aboard that. That's big. And that's how you improve your, your core even more. As the, as the Cavs did with the James Harden trade. They just jumped in the fray and said, hey, we'll take Jared Allen. Yeah, we'll, we'll take this immense upside center for sure because we're going to get rid of Andre Drummond anyway. They came out huge winners in that trade just by jumping in the mix and getting creative. But all in all, this game was huge for Oklahoma City. Again, first game of, of a five-game stretch within seven days. On this road trip, they finished one and two with that win coming tonight. And and I know it's a hokey thing and maybe it's not all that realistic, but listen, it has to feel better to come out one and two than oh and three. That sounds simple. That sounds kind of storybook, but still it gives you some sort of boost heading into tomorrow night if you just beat the Cavaliers instead of lose to the Cavaliers. Because if you lost this game, you'd be 0-3 on the trip and just lost to one of the worst teams in the NBA. And it's a it's a huge uh, you know, negative to your ego or confidence level or anything like that. Uh, so this is a good boost for you going into the, the back-to-back uh, for tomorrow against Miami, or tonight against Miami, I should say, on Monday. And then SGA accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. I mean, he, he performs at that all-star level in one of, if not the last day, before the coaches vote. Again, they're going to vote today on Monday, but I'm not sure when, if it's going to be before tip-off or after tip-off, after the games are concluded. I'm not really sure on that. But now it's time for the MVP of the game. right now you're the real MVP the MVP of the game has to be SGA that's without question he was incredible in tonight's contest my biggest thing with him is that he gets to the line and and he gets calls and and he and he deserves calls and if he's already getting the line 12 times he's already being crafty enough to bait defenders into fouls and, and to 
use his body and finish through contact, if he's already doing that before even officially being an all-star, then when he does get that reputation and when he does get that respect from his peers, obviously superstar calls are a real thing. When he becomes that superstar, he's already getting to the line 12 times. So can that even get him more calls? And can that even get him to the line more times? And if it does, then he becomes an elite scorer in this league. The upside with SGA is unbelievable. I know he's already an all-star level, but this is not the finished product yet. It's not even close to the finished product that we're going to see from SGA. He's the MVP tonight, and he's the MVP of this season for Oklahoma City. The better the day outcome, I had Oklahoma City uh, minus two and a half. They obviously won that. And then I had Mike Muscala in this game. He nails three threes tonight, which ties him with Tail Maldon and SGA for the lead in this game. So if you had any of those three players, you won the money ball as I did with Mike Muscala. Bit of housekeeping on the Blake Griffin podcast, talking about the trades for Blake Griffin. Uh, the NBA trade.com machine, they allowed the trade to go through with Trevor Reza. I reached out to Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports uh, via the email friend of the podcast, been on here a couple of times on Locked on Thunder. Uh, I reached out to him on the email, asked him, hey, is this legit? Can you really go back there? And, and the reason I went ahead and went with it before hearing back from Keith you know, in that podcast was because... Uh, I went to NBAtradeMachine.com, and whenever I did it for Chris Paul, as I knew that wouldn't work, I tried to trade Chris Paul back to Oklahoma City, and it said that he could not be required. So whenever that distinction was made for Chris Paul but not for Trevor Reza, I thought that there were some weird CBA quirks where it worked for uh, Trevor Reza and not for Chris Paul. Alas, Ariza cannot go back to Detroit, which narrows down the ability to trade for Blake Griffin for Oklahoma City to an Al Horford swap into George Hill plus Muscala plus Darius Miller and plus Justin Jackson. Neither trade moves the needle for Oklahoma City and neither trade is really worth doing for Oklahoma City unless you know you want to go down the rabbit hole we went through with an Al Horford for Blake Griffin swap. Go back and listen to that show, but remember, Ariza cannot be traded to Detroit. As I said on that podcast, the Oklahoma City Blue continue to impress in the G League bubble. We're going to talk more about the Blue and more about Poku uh, later on this week, because I want to dive into that as I've gotten a ton of questions about Poku with the G League and, and his progression and where he's at in his development. So we're going to dive into that later on this week. This is Locked on Thunder, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder, Monday through Friday, and even bonus pots on the weekend. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.